Coming up, readings beyond the raffle and Theoryland approved conjecture. Deep dive into the spells and scrolls of nerd culture. Absorb Stormlight. Home sympathy. Arnas, Sayadar, and Sayadin. This is Phantology. You may have heard of us. All right, what's up, members of the Loser Club? It's your Phantology brother team, Josh and Ben here, to bring you a kind of review slash discussion of Stephen uh, Stephen King's epic It, and we are looking forward to getting into it. No puns intended. Yeah. It's going to be hard to not make puns with this yeah. epic title. It certainly is. So we we I Josh had read this book a few years ago. I decided to read it based on an episode that we did uh, a few weeks ago. Now we like reviewed booktubers top 10 lists and the Mike's book review uh, had this list as I think one of his all time favorites. So if you didn't catch that episode, you can go back and look for that, but that's kind of what inspired me to read it recently before we get too much further into it. We'll pause for an ad break. So Josh, what made you start reading this book when you did? Cause you read it what like before we even started phantology right or maybe soon mm. after we did i mean it was no a yeah ago. yeah i think it was soon after we started phantology um i had read uh the gunslinger series the dark tower series i mean and so i kind of read that that was my first real exposure to stephen king i was just looking for kind of different fantasy series at the time so i got exposed to dark tower and then after dark tower i just wanted to read more stephen king i think it was the first book I read of Stephen King's outside of the dark tower, just because, wow. you know, it's kind of the most popular one I, in a lot of ways, I guess. I mean, it's hard to rank that they're all super popular, but I think it probably has the most common. I don't know. Yeah, for sure. I mean, what, a, what other book yeah. can you point to? Cause it has the clown going for it, right? Like no other Stephen King book really has like a character that anybody would recognize, right? Like you think pet cemetery. I mean, what are you going to put on there? Right. Yeah, I guess I I guess I don't know how many people first of all like know it's a book versus you know they might just think it's he's like another horror character, you know like you think about some of the and you might not even know it's like a real horror character and not just like a creepy clown design. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and was this the first book that popularized scary clowns? I didn't. I don't. I don't know. I don't think I'm sure the scary clown thing was uh like uh oh what's that what's that book. Something Wicked This Way Comes, I think, had a scary clown. I don't know if that was before or after it. I don't know. Okay. I mean, yeah, I don't know if it started the genre. But yeah, I, I think it's probably one of Stephen King's most popular franchises or properties, I guess. Yeah, for sure. I, to just give like a quick example, I was like trick-or-treating last year. So like October of 2022. And I walked past this house and it had a like their decoration. It was really cool. They had like a, a clown peeking out of a gutter. Right, that they have managed to put in there. I think I even sent it on Discord, and I had never, I hadn't, I hadn't read it, but I still knew, like I still knew to, like what to attribute that to. You know what I mean? So, and granted, I am more into books than the average person, but I hadn't read the book. So, yeah, I, I would say it's to your point of why you read it next. I think it's probably pop, his most popular book. Yeah, I remember. I I wonder too how many people even know 
it's a book. Like there, Stephen King has this happen to him too. I forgot. I was hearing the story somewhere of somebody talking about like Shawshank Redemption and how mm-hmm. it was their favorite uh, movie. And then somebody was like, oh, that's one of my favorite books. And then they're like, oh, that's not like they thought that the person was crazy for thinking it was a book. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, they only knew the movie. But that's a pretty old movie though, right? Yeah. Yeah. True. Yeah, but so... it has had several, several movies too. And okay. Had... Yeah. I, I, I want to watch the most recent one that came out about it. There's the two, the double feature, the double feature ones. Is it pretty good? I, I haven't watched it yet, but I watched the, the, not the preview, but the trailer for it. And it looks pretty good. Like the, all the kids looks like they're like very well casted and stuff. So it made me really want to watch it. The casting is all really good. It's yeah. It's all really good. That's good. I got only halfway. I watched the whole first one and then got like halfway through the second one. And for whatever reason, just got interrupted while watching it and never finished it. So mm. um, I've only seen one and a half of the recent duology of movies. And then same thing kind of happened. My wife and I last October, we were like, we wanted to watch the whole, like there's a, there's a mini series back in the nineties. And so we wanted to watch, and it's like a four and a half or five hour. Um, and it's just like on as a movie type thing. So we made it about like a third of the way through that. And just the other week, she didn't know you were reading it or we had this episode planned or anything. She was like, I really want to fin- fin- finish that like clown movie. I, it's bugging me that I don't know what happened. So I'm like, all right, well, we'll, we'll have to finish it. So, anyway. Well, that's actually what I'm most curious to see um, when we watch it is how they end it. Because, I don't, well, I don't want to do spoilers yet because we haven't given the warning yet. But yeah, I want to see how they end it. So I think before we before we started this episode, we kind of talked and we, we're not going to go through like plot by plot because it's a... Uh, you know, super long book. I think it must be over a thousand pages, right? I listened to it. It was like 45 hours. So long book. It's been a few years for you. I listened to it. So I'm not going to be able to remember like plot by plot point by plot point, but we'll just kind of talk through what we liked about it, what what we thought could be approved and, and stuff like that. Does that sound good to you? Yeah. Before we get into that, I also wanted to bring up the meta conversation, continue the meta conversation about mm-hmm. how it, how it's continued to influence pop culture, especially with Stranger Things being such a hit. Yeah, you know, and Stranger Things really is not a it's not a ripoff or anything, but it's for sure like very inspired, heavily by, influenced by yeah. it and other Steve works, but most most specifically it, I think. Yeah, and that was actually I think I mentioned this in the last episode we talked about, uh, you know, uh, with the top ten episode. So I'll you know excuse me if you if you've heard that episode, but this was something that. Like before I read the book and before I actually watched Mike's book review, I kind of just thought of it as a horror book. Like, even though I know how well Stephen King does characters, it was still just like, I'm like, I don't, I don't really want to just listen to a horror book. Right. Especially when you see it's a 45 hour horror book. You're like, yeah, exactly. I'm like, okay, scary clowns. Great. Like, I don't want to invest that much time into it, but the book is like 10% scary clowns. Right. And it's like 90% a group of kids figuring out like coming of age right and it's just that and you begin to love them so much and you see how they respond to the biggest trials of their life and not only as kids but as adults and so i think that you know i think you could give this book to uh, and this will, will also need a section on like who maybe who should be reading this book yeah but you could give this book to a you know 16 17 18 year old and they'll get something out of it completely different than what i got out of it because you know you're seeing um, life through the like two different lenses you know which it's always crazy how well like authors can do that i'm i'm amazed at that ability um 
to really capture the essence of childhood and then capture the essence of adulthood when you are like revisiting your childhood life. It's pretty amazing. Stephen King just knows how to tap into just so many different emotions of people and what they, you know, as adults, as kids, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. And not only like that, but you're also doing it for like six main characters, you know? So it's just, holy cow. Like it's just unbelievably talented. Yeah. So it just, if you, you know, if you didn't think that you would like reading just like a scary book, because this book does have some disturbing elements to it. I'm not trying to like act like it doesn't, but if, if you can get through disturbing elements, you're going to really find like a treasure of character work and um, of a coming of age tale, similar to Stranger Things, I guess, you know, that's a very good comparison because Stranger Things also has some disturbing elements. Yeah. The, the one thing too, which none of the, I mean, I've enjoyed all the adaptations, but I don't feel like they, especially the newer ones, they feel more kind of funny than like they really lean into the seriousness of some of the subject matter that um, the book addresses, especially like with their adult selves and not that they like shy away from it. Like they're obviously like R rated and like pretty heavy, but they also lean into the absurdity of it, which the book does too. But I feel like there's just a lot more time in the book that it can spend more time on the heavier subject matter. Yeah. I don't know if I, it definitely paints absurd pictures, but the characters all respond to respond to those situations in very like realistic ways. Mm-hmm. So it makes it feel not as absurd, right? Yeah, but but when you see, but when you see it on the screen, you know, like a yeah, it's like how they're supposed to make face, that. It's like it, it's going to be absurd. You know what I mean? Like a, when you see a dancing clown, even if it is kind of creepy, especially if you're afraid of clowns, like there's still absurdity to it. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah, I can see that. But I think one of the main themes of the book, though, is that like the evil really came from the people right like not the clown mm-hmm. you know like 90 percent of the evil that they're overcoming is coming from their families their friends their bullies and while the clown is the scary thing and the embodiment of that and maybe even causing the people Positive. to act that way it still like highlights the the reality that like humans are responsible for perpetrating most of the like suffering and in, in everybody's life. And I think that that's like a, and I think that that's what the book leans into as opposed to like the absurd horror elements. Yeah. Which, which both the adaptations I've seen do a decent job at, but I, yeah. I still feel like there hasn't been one that's like really leaned into it as like a super grim dark thing, mostly because, you know, they want to get the teenagers coming to pay, to go pay the money. They don't, it's, you know, to make it a blockbuster yeah. hit and not as much of like a thinking movie, like something like yeah. Shawshank Redemption. Anyway. All right. Well, let's, let, yeah, let's yeah, talk about so it. Should we get into spoilers? But I want to ask, like, I know you're going to be asking me some questions, but I want to ask you because, so I guess entering into spoiler t- territory. Um, so if you are interested in reading the book, but haven't, you yeah, know, well, click away. Uh, well, yeah, let's also maybe get, uh, for those that might be on the fence about oh, reading yeah. it, there are some like very heavy subject subjects that are dealt with including like sexual assault abuse that happening to kids suicide basically any trigger warning you can really think of like is yeah. going to be present in the book there is like one scene which we warned ben about which is very which is very not even divisive but just very kind of universally scorned and so um you might if you're like sensitive to things not even sent but you might want to look up what that scene is i don't know if it's like it's kind of spoilery but also 
I don't know if you're yeah it's if you're on the fence about reading it you might want to yeah. look look into what that scene is without us spoiling it for you right now. So I I yeah I don't know if I could in good conscience recommend this to like a kid that's under eighteen really I don't think. Well yeah not only that but it also has like racial undertones that are oh not oh, even undertones yeah. they're just racial like it it was written in the seventies right but based in I think it was I think it was published in nineteen eighty or nineteen eighty one we should probably fact check this. But um and but it took place in the fifties, right? Yeah, yeah. We should fact check that. Oh, it was ni- it was published in nineteen eighty six, and yeah, and I think it took place mainly in the fifty, the flashback time period in the fifties, and so like the N word is used in like a derogatory and racist way, pretty much, and other and other racial slurs, racial like um, heavy racial things are used. You know, like it's it's basically every trigger warning you can imagine. Yeah, and we should say that. It is clear in the book that Stephen King does not support that behavior. And he like goes out of his way to say that racism is part of the evils that he's like talking about. So it's not like, like in his defense, he was writing in a, like, I think in a way that probably wouldn't be written in today, but it was also written in a way that like makes it clear that he's not supportive of that behavior. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But still, it's still anyway, just basically any, any, uh trigger warning you can think of probably you know you you want to be careful reading the book yeah for sure yeah so yeah that's good um definitely yeah if you're a parent like thinking about giving this to your 10 year old just don't i wonder how many kids because i think honestly the movies are pretty safe like i mean obviously they're r-rated at least the newer ones are but like they're not that crazy like they definitely don't go to the you know depth that the that the books do so i could see like a 16 year old you know like enjoying the movie and their parents probably be fine being fine with it. And then they like go pick up the book and read it. And it's way more intense than the movies. So yeah. Anyway, I wonder how much that has happened. That's fair. All right. Let's get into it. So before we get too far into it, I want to ask you because I am not like a like up to par with Stephen King lore. <laughs> you mentioned Gunsling- Gun Gunslinger. That is probably like the book that has the most like lore and kind of like crossover universe and like the Stephen King universe in it. This one had a bit. Like it had a fair bit, you know, like you had like characters astral projecting type thing at one point, kind of like speaking to deities in the universe. Now, again, I know like I know hardly anything about Stephen King lore. I I pretty much know that like there is like a nefarious force that does nefarious force things in Gunslinger and that I'm assuming that's similar to what was happening in Derry. Do you want to like? Do you know any more about this? I or? I used to. I don't. I I don't really think I can uh, talk a lot about it. Okay. Because it's been so long since I've really taken a deep dive into like this Stephen King multiverse. But yeah, I think it. I think that there's like a a series of an overarching like level of like evil in the in the universe, and Pennywise comes from or like it comes from that. Okay. Yeah, that's. It's interesting because I knew just in, like I know that it exists just enough for it to be annoying that I didn't you know like I feel like the book if there was no like multiverse then you just accept the book as it is and just with all the oddities of the turtle dying and coughing up galaxies and the you know like alien force crash landing on the planet and causing all these like if if it's a standalone book then cool, you just it is what it is. But like the moment that you introduce the multiverse, you're like, okay, but like 
now I want to know more. And it's, it's annoying that it's not more clear. Like there is no like balance, like you might find, find in like a Brandon Sanderson multiverse. You know what I mean? Um, where if you want to know more about the Condra after you retress, you can just like go read Mistborn. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, and, and that's kind of the point of, of the multiverse or Stephen King's universe. There really isn't like a right way to approach it. And it, it is kind of scattershot and things are kind of retconned. It's definitely not as, yeah. you know, like fully planned out as, as Brandon Sanderson's like Cosmere is, or even like Mark Lawrence's books are to some extent, it's definitely much more of a scattershot. Like, Oh, like here's some overriding ideas and like similar characters and themes that kind of have, you know, make the rules of the universe, which is, which is really cool, you know, but it's yeah. okay. It is what it is. Yeah. It is what it is. Th- sounds good. I'll just kind of accept it. I was wondering if there was like a, you know, two paragraph answer that you could give me, but I'm, I don't really want to Wikis. read a lot. Just go to Wikis for that. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I just like, know I want to continue reading Stephen King books, but I read like one a year. So it's, you know, I don't want to like spoil or spoil anything for like the gunslinger or whatever, you know? So you, you won't spoil anything. Anything you read outside of the gunslinger or outside of dark tower is just going to like, promote your experience reading dark tower i don't think that dark tower would spoil any other book that at least okay. i've come across really. that's fair that's fair well so this marks i've read two from dark tower i've read pet cemetery 11 2364 and now it so this was my fifth uh stephen king book so it's funny because you <laughs> clearly i don't like consider myself like a stephen king aficionado but like you know i'm getting up there anyway yep yeah kind of speaks to how many books he has out there that you can read five books oh, there's so many like well, i still don't know anything about him so pretty much okay so what what did you think of the the kids in the book where did you have any favorites did any get on under your skin what what do you think okay on? yeah so first of all <laughs> obviously stephen king is amazing with characters but i will say like some critiques i felt like at times bill and ben were kind of interchangeable they both had a, you know, they both had a thing for Bev. They both were kind of protagonists in their own right. So I don't know. So I felt like they were kind of interchangeable to some extent. I also felt like Stan was somewhat underdeveloped. Like his whole thing was that he was a skeptic, right? Like, and having him commit um, suicide as an adult so early on without even getting like his perspective as an adult, really, it was just like a weird choice for me. Cause I'm like, who is this person? You know, like I just read like 50 pages about his life and I don't, I mean, it's from his wife's perspective. Right. So I don't know. Yeah. So Stan, and that also made me like not care as much about his kid character. So I, I, I for me, I was kind of the opposite is I kind of, it made it more tragic. Cause um, you see his kid character that starts out cause he was the one that his mother was super protective of him. Right. No, no, that's, oh, no, no, that wasn't Stan well, is like the skeptic. He, um, he was like the Jewish kid who uh, he like got attacked uh, by the bird, but couldn't really believe yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. For, for me, I, I just remember like reading about the suicide and being really sad, but then the it made it even more sad as the character got more and more built up, but you knew that that was always going to be his fate. Okay. I, I think, yeah. I think that made it kind of, it, it introduced another aspect of a feeling for the character and, and yeah. being sad by it, standing by it as well. And it's kind of like a Kingism on steroids, right? Like Stephen King's like nefarious for like 
and you would only see the sunrise two more times or something and you're like oh great like yeah and in this case it was just like like a little bit more in your face so i Mm -hmm. i could i could get behind that yeah but it was still like of all the characters again like stan's skepticism just felt very like service level i don't know i don't know like especially when you're comparing him to somebody like eddie who is like trying so hard to like conquer his mom and her like paranoia about him getting injured and his own hypochondria and like realizing that it could just be a placebo effect and and when you have uh bill um conquering his stutter and conquering the death of death of his brother like you have all these and you have bev with being like assaulted by her father like you have all these characters and then there's like stan you know what i mean so that was uh yeah, you're asking for like things that kind of got under my skin. That was that was one of them. Yeah, and, and yeah. So I don't know. I think Richie was kind of in a similar vein for me of just kind of being like, okay, so he's the jokester of the group, you know what I mean? But like, he doesn't really bring that much more to the table. And then you have Stan, who's freaking amazing, right? Like the librarian and the like one black kid in a town and introducing the whole race dynamic. And anyway, like when you're competing against that, when you're Stan. Or when you're Richie, almost it, it just is like, I don't know. Fair enough. And what did you think of the town? The town is almost, in my opinion, like another character of the of the. Yeah, book. I mean, you you really get to know like all these like you feel like you could walk around Derry, right? Like you feel like you know where the hill is, where the pharmacy is, where the um where they play and where they built their um fort at. You know, like you feel like you know how the sewer system works or like how the canal system works, and yeah, and then then you just have like this like weird pervading evil influence that (laughs) comes up around every 27 years, you know, and everybody in the town just kind of accepts it. It's, it's pretty cool. Again, like, I don't know if I've ever read quite a book with quite the same premise, but I know that the premise is very like common, especially in this kind of like genre of, of horror. So I, I like that aspect of it. And I am sad that Derry is not a real town that I could go do a little, walking tour of yeah it's pretty much based off of yeah that town but it it was an amazing amazing setting you know like it almost feels like a a different world in some ways and they do so much to flesh out like i even remember there's that scene where they go back and look back all the way to the 1700s or 1600s or whatever when the first settlements were there yeah how it talks about different famines times when people were killed and a bunch of disappearances and stuff and it just really time is taken to really make it feel like this place has people that are resilient but also has evil just running rampant across it every few years yeah and especially when it's like so weird because in other settings like these people like most of the time these people seem very like very decent right and very like it's like oh like everybody's just kind of trying their best you know and then you take a step back and you're like but they're just like turning a blind eye to like these terrible things that are happening right in front of them, right? Like when Henry's chasing Bev, um, like and somebody just kind of folds their newspaper and goes inside or, you know, like just, holy cow, what is, you know? And then Stan is like doing all this research and he's like, no, Derry has like a murder rate that's like five times higher than like the next or whatever, you know? And the town cop's like, oh, that's just Derry, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. It's true. Just, and, and was it, it wasn't towards the beginning of the book where there is a gay character and he like gets does he die he gets left for yeah he gets murdered killed. i think that was kind murdered. of what yeah. started the second or the wave the like 
the current wave of yeah yeah so i mean yeah it's just pretty horrible in a lot of ways yeah and i just to kind of riff off that it's really cool how i mean first of all it's like tragic that the gary character died like that but it was very like cool to me that one of the way that king built out the evilness of dairy was through its homophobia right of like people writing like anti-gay slurs like underneath the kissing bridge or what like like and he used that to display uh, how evil the town was and you know i'm not i I don't think i was even alive when i wasn't alive when the book was even published like i don't know people's attitudes towards um you know lgbtq people back then but i think king was probably ahead of his time for when he was like using that as an example of being evil you know what i mean so that was again i think king gets a lot of hate and rightfully so in a lot of cases for being pretty extreme with how he treats certain groups but i i want to point out the positives where i find them and that was a uh, admirable way to to handle that yeah and then what about like the plot was it too slow for you i remember m- mostly i was um, pretty enthralled and and can really put it down but i do remember sometimes feeling like you know things were lagging a little bit like there like there's just a lot of setup for like another confrontation with pennywise that didn't really matter all that much you know yes but so this yes. is like one of the great mysteries to Stephen King for me, because when I'm reading one of his books, I am so engrossed and I can't wait to start like listening to it again or reading it again. And then I get to the end of it. I'm like, there was so much fluff in that. <laughs> you know, like I look back, like same with the 11, 23, I didn't feel it as much with Pet Cemetery, but there's like, I would be like, I, you know, if I were to go back and reread this, I would just like skip over so much of it, you know? Yeah. So and, yeah. And you think back to the plot or you read a plot summary and there's really not all that much that happens, you know? Yeah. There, there is, but it's mostly just characters thinking to themselves about things or the narrator telling you about interesting things while you, yeah. while, while the plot kind of happens. And it, yeah, again, it's so interesting because I don't know how he does it. Like it is a great mystery to me uh, um, of how he pulls this off time and time again, because, and, and maybe that's just cause that's how life is. You know what I mean? Like, you live every day and nothing exciting happens, but the, but it feels important when you're living it, you know what I mean? And so I think that that's similar to how his books feel, you know what I mean? Like, is there really like, is it super important that we're reading about Eddie picking up um, his inhaler at the uh, pharmacist, you know, like and the pharmacist having a discussion with him that uh, his inhaler isn't really necessary. Like that's not, what I would consider like to be exciting normally, but like some, for some reason it is like, and, and you really care about that situation, that moment that you're reading it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And that, again, I think that's just how life is for a lot of us. You know what I mean? Like these situations just feel extremely important in the moment. And, and you really do care about Eddie as a character. So having his, you know, that's kind of having his whole world turned upside down when he, gets told that too yeah yeah that's true but the only reason you care about him as a character is because you've read so many of those little moments about him you know what i mean so many of the little moments of his mom worrying about him or of uh, you know like him having a bad reaction to something or whatever you know you just and so when you look back on it all those little moments don't seem important but while you're reading them they do yeah i agree with that and Stephen, yeah, again, that's something really only Stephen King can do that I've read at least. 
I'm sure there's other authors that can do it too, but Stephen King does a really good job of of it. Yeah. And you know, you read like a book like wheel of time, right. And there's, you could almost say the same thing about that. You know what I mean? Like you have all these little side quests that people are going on that don't really add anything, but it's fun to go on that quest with them, you know? And in some level, that's like what all fantasy is about is just like spending time with the characters. But I think the difference is that like each one, like most of the time when you're reading those things, they're like, there's some goal that you're like going on with the uh, character. Whereas like in a Stephen King book, the goal could literally just be to escape Henry Bowers from beating you up. You know what I mean? Like that is the goal. (laughs) And once that happens, you're like, okay, next chapter, you know, Hmm, it's true. Nice. Um, Okay. Let's see. What other questions? What about Pennywise? We've kind of talked about him, but it as a villain, was it compelling? Were you trying to figure out more about him? Like, did you care about the backstory or was it just a, an evil force? Like what, what did you think of the, of the danger? And the... So this is, um, it's interesting because I um, would have liked to care about him more, but I, you know, fifth book of Stephen King and I, I kind of, know that his endings just aren't the strongest part of it so i just kind of accepted that there would probably be not that much to it which i was actually so going into that like in that mindset um i was actually pleasantly surprised that there was like an actual creature that they were fighting you know what i mean at the end like this kind of like spider like creature and maybe the spider was just taking the form that they could recognize as humans or whatever but there was like a tangible thing that they were able to fight which i did not expect and i was pleasantly surprised by that Hmm. so in terms of trying to figure it out i kind of like didn't let myself because i didn't want to be disappointed so whenever stan would kind of do his like deep dives i'll be like okay that's interesting stan but like you're not gonna really like come to any conclusions you know so yeah that's i think that that's my answer to that question is the there wasn't a great mystery behind it because it was clear that it was just like this nefarious force that they were trying to conquer somehow. Fair enough. I thought that Henry Bowers was a really good antagonist as well. Kind of a more down to earth antagonist where you knew like you were scared of his, of what he would do to each of the characters. And then when he finally like snaps and kills his dad, like that was, that was pretty crazy. And then just knowing that he's like now completely kind of lost his mind and is kind of a slave in some ways to to Pennywise or it or whatever. It's it's pretty eerie. And it I thought that did a really good job. Yeah. Henry is definitely like the actual protagonist that can drive the plot forward, which was necessary for the book. And it's interesting because you contrast like Henry with Patrick. I don't know, you might not remember Patrick, but he was like the actual psychopath that like killed his younger brother. And it's Weird that he was just kind of lumped in with Henry Bowers' Bowers' gang because what am I trying to say? If you're part of the Losers Club, you view Henry as if he's Patrick. But if you are Henry, you are you feel like Henry has strong emotions. Like he's not a psychopath, right? Like he is getting beat up by his dad and he's taking like it's like perpetuating that abuse and he's like doing what he knows, right? Like that is how his dad has taught him to interact with the world. And so if you're Henry, then you're like, no, I'm just like, this is how you assert dominance in life. Right. And then, but then you have Patrick with like a foil to Henry where he just like, doesn't care. Right. Like he's the definition of a psychopath. Um, 
but he just kind of wanders in halfway through the book and then wanders back out. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think that he really adds anything to yeah, the book. I vaguely so I was remember kind of, him. Yeah. Wait, you, you didn't really remember him? I vaguely, yeah, vaguely. Oh, you vaguely. Him. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of my analysis on the whole Patrick Henry and losers club analysis. What did, what did you think about Henry? Like, did you like him as a character or? Yeah, no, I thought it was a similar thing where he, um, where you just really feel bad for it. Like you start off hating him and then you just end up feeling really bad for him, especially because he was just like manipulated and controlled by his father, snaps and kills his father. And then he's like manipulated and controlled by it, you know? And it it's interesting sucks. that he was blamed for like everything too. Like yeah. after he kills his dad, like that was, it's just uh, an easy scapegoat. Right. Yeah. And I think that that, that does definitely like reflection of society, right? Like when we find somebody or something, like one thing that we can really, like we know it did one thing. And so that must, it must've been responsible for everything else as well. Like that, I feel like is a interesting, like social commentary that Stephen King was doing there too. Yeah. And I do think that um, I, I did kind of appreciate that Stephen King, he didn't really try and redeem Henry, you know, and oh, that's yeah. where, that's where something maybe other authors in order to try and make a more satisfying end would like have Henry come along and actually save everyone. But no, he's just like, he just ended up, it's just sad after he, yeah. So it's, it's sad, but it's that what makes it really compelling as well that like, nope, we're not going to get any redemption for this character. He's just a goner. Yeah. And I think that that's, Again, it's like Stephen King's writing style, right? Where he just like writes the natural progression of a character. And when it's time for the character to die, then you die, you know? Speaking of, let's, I mean, kind of go over, I guess, the ending. What did you think? Was it satisfying? What did you think of? It was Eddie that died, right? Yeah, Eddie died. Uh, yeah. I think he was the only one that died. Um, well, outside well, of Stan. Stan committing suicide, right? Or wait, yeah. Eddie. Yeah. Stan committed Sorry. suicide. Eddie yeah. got his arm bitten off and then died. What, that was yeah, sad. Yeah. He like sprayed his inhaler down the down its throat and weakened him enough for for them to kill it. Yeah. yeah. Super sad. And it was foreshadowed. You know what I mean? Like when he was leaving, he was kind of like, you know, kind of knew that he wasn't going to come back. And it was interesting because I was just reading the the summary to it and he gets his arm broken by Henry at the beginning or during the book and then gets his arm bitten off by it. And that's what kills him. So it's good. maybe some more foreshadowing as well. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a lot of things a lot, like George also gets his arm bitten off. Right. So like, there's a lot of, yeah. a lot of stuff going on with arms in, in that book, but yeah, he gets his arm broken and he, yeah. Uh, so I, I like that. I liked, I mean, I didn't like that. Obviously I didn't like that he died, but like, I, I like that, like somebody needs to die, you know what I mean? Otherwise it would have just been like, they all got out like scot-free, you know, mm -hmm. uh, which I also don't think should have happened. So I appreciate that. I appreciate that he like, I thought it was really cool how each of them used uh, like um, how Richie would use his voices to conquer it or Eddie used ended up using his inhaler to uh, conquer it. Like all these things that were weaknesses were made into strengths. And I thought that that was like very well done. And you kind of see them throughout the book, like doing that, like accepting these weaknesses about themselves and like, if not internalizing them, but like accepting them and uh, and using them as part of their, you know, their strengths. So that was cool. Yeah. And in addition to kind of riffing off what you said there, like, I don't think I ever would have been surprised if Bill 
like Wo sacrificed his life kind of at any point throughout the book in order to save someone or to fi- finish it or even to find out what happened um, to Georgie. But like with um, Eddie, like he was always afraid of death and always afraid of, you know, that because of his kind of hy- hyperchondrianism or whatever from his mom. Like, and so that was something that he needed to overcome. And anyway, yeah. So it's always sad when a character you love dies, but I thought it was earned. And like you said, I think it, I think it, some hard things needed to happen. And so I thought it was a good, good call as well. Yeah. One thing I, and this might be, I'm going to do my worst of the best right now. Do you want, do you have one ready or no? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. We, we should probably wrap up anyway. So yeah, let's do it. Okay. Okay. So worst of the best segment, roll the tape. The worst of the best. With so many exemplary moments in this book, it's almost unfair to nitpick. But that's the segment. It's the pimple on the princess. The stain on the satin. And the terror before the triumph. The unfortunate portion of an otherwise stellar performance. Someone has to point it out. My worst of the best was the whole Tom and Bev plotline because it was set up to be so great and then it just fizzled out at the end, right? So, I mean, to kind of recap, Tom is Bev's abusive husband, right? She kind of married her father in a sense and she became like this successful fashion designer while he just beat her up for smoking cigarettes and he tracked her all the way down um, to Derry and then when she's in Derry, he ends up kidnapping Bill's wife. And then you're like, I was expecting him to be there when they when they were facing it or something. You know what I mean? Like it's this like looming presence throughout the whole throughout that whole part of the book, right? Like he's on Bev's trail trail, like he beats up her friend in order to find out where she went. And he like flies there and he like stays in the same hotel as them. And I'm like, dude, this is like, the suspense is killing me. And yeah, I guess he does kidnap Bill's wife, but like, that's it. You know, it just was such a good setup. And then it just dropped the ball. I'm like, Tom's got to do something intense here. You know, like he's got to maybe kill one of the characters or, you know, like something. And, you know, like, I think all of us love, like liked Bill's wife from what we knew of her because she believed him and wanted to like follow him to Derry and do what's best for him. But like, Eh, you know, like you need like, and you didn't even see when he kidnapped her. You just like he faded to black during that part. So I don't know. Where's the best for me right there? Yeah. So I was reading the the summary, and so yeah, so it convinces him to kidnap Bill's wife and bring her to his lair, and then he just dies of shock after seeing it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I would, which I don't know. I mean, again, that's just Stephen King, right? Like, he's just gonna. Endings sometimes aren't satisfying for characters. I know. But it was just right there. Like there just needed to be some some type of way that it used it to I don't know. Yeah. So that's that's my worst of the best there. And Bill, yeah, and she she and Bill's wife. Yeah, Bill's wife. Yeah, that was a really cool part because you didn't know why oh with the silver bike, I forget what the Ohio silver. Ohio silver. Yeah. Like you didn't know why the omnipotent or um no, what's the when you're 
the overarching good presence was like kind of guiding them or whatever. Yeah. You didn't know why um like they were led to the bike. And then that was the reason was to, you know, like end up saving Bill's wife. You know, he's like strapped her on the back and bombed down the hill, which is like kind of recapturing the childhood innocence and how that is really what is defeating it. You know, even if um it had made somebody catatonic, they could bring him back by bringing back childhood innocence. Like like chef's kiss right there the fact that that just kind of happened as like a like stapled on the back of, it was like stapled on the back of the manuscript it could have probably been better but fair enough yeah nice yeah i don't know if i have the worst of the best i think maybe it would be a good time to talk about that like weird you know orgy scene type thing with all the yeah kids. that's like the worst of the worst yeah that's just the worst of the worst i mean yeah, I don't. I don't really know what to say about it. Besides, I feel like if we're doing a deep dive into it, it we should probably bring it up. Like, it yeah, just felt I mean, so unnecessary. You know, it. Yeah, totally. I am. I. The one thing I'll say is that, like, it was foreshadowed. Like, you can't. Like, if you're editing that book, you're like, okay, it's not as simple as just taking out the scene. Like, it was very intentional. Like, like, it was yeah. written into the book. I don't you, know, probably yeah. a dozen times. Yeah, it's pretty easy to take it. Like in the adaptations, they just do like the Blood Brothers Pact, and like right. I'm saying, but like, yeah, yeah, for sure, I get that. Um, what I'm saying though is that like everybody's like, why would it? Why wouldn't his editor stop him? Which, first of all, they should have. But like, you can kind of see it. It's like when you're an yeah. editor and you're reading the book, you're like, okay, I think that this scene needs to go, but like, it's going to be some work to kind of go back and pull it out of the foreshadow. Yeah, I don't know. But... I feel, yeah, maybe I don't know. It was just weird. Yeah, worst of the worst, but just figure. Yeah, I think I there. think somebody on Discord like said that he responded and uh, like when an interviewer asked him about the scene, he was like, "Oh, I wasn't thinking about the sexual aspect of it." You're like, "Dude, you literally just had kids having sex in your book. How were you yeah. not thinking about?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, so, all right. Well, there we, we brought. That we probably up. just got um, demonetized, but that's, that's okay. If there's a book yeah, that we the, should get demonetized, the three dollars this video may have made from YouTube, no more. <laughs> all right. Yeah, um, I think that's it. Anything else you want to bring up about it? I mean, I feel like uh, in some ways, you know, there's really no conversation that can do this this book justice. Like, it's so epic. And, you know, I'm sure some YouTuber has like a four-hour breakdown of it and everything. And But um, I think it's, I think it's a, in some ways, a really important book. In other ways, just with how it's influenced, like, culture, it's a great encapsulation of, like, Stephen King's books. You know, I think if you read this book, then you have a really good idea for most of what is with his books. So I think there's a lot going for. Yeah, I agree. Again, I, I'm going to repeat myself and say it's a great com- coming of age tale. So consider that. But if you want us like I think I made this point on Discord, too. If you want a similar book that it's not it's not super similar, but like it accomplishes a lot of the same things. It's the 112364 book. So it's basically like this without all the controversial aspects, I would say. So you feel free to read that instead. You know what I, I mean? I haven't read I haven't read that. I should probably read it. Yeah, you really should. It's uh not it's not like a spoiler, but like basically this random dude is like sent back in time to try and yeah, stop I, the assassination of JFK. Yeah, I know they kind of pre- yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know. It's it's that's basically back. yeah. So but again, like you feel like you know this town, you feel like you know these characters you feel like it, there's not as much of a like a a buddy group going dynamic like a found fam, family dynamic there is to some extent but my point being is that like i think on discord i said this like 
it was kind of like a mix between Pet Cemetery and Eleven Twenty Three Sixty Four, where you have like more of the horror elements of Pet Cemetery, but more of the like meandering character development of the Eleven Twenty Three. So there you go. There's my recommendation if you don't want to uh, don't want to sit through it because of all the distasteful elements about it. Then, um, which I totally understand, and like you like I you know yeah. Then you should. Then that's a great alternative. All right. Well, thanks, Ben. Thanks for. Uh, tuning in if you stuck around this far ben's mentioned discord a few times jump on uh discord you can find links below and uh, we have a pretty good group that, that talks about a pretty wide range of fantasy there it's pretty healthy um, you can feel free to come share your thoughts follow us on socials like comment share yeah it was five star rating if you do that on the podcast that allows that i don't know yeah anything else you want to yep. say thanks everyone all right